This is the Cherry Leaf Podcast. So the normal way we kick off the podcast when we're interviewing people is just to get people to introduce themselves and say who they are and, and what they do. So I'm Shweta Madan. I work as an information developer at VMware. I was born and raised in Bangalore and uh, I moved to United States five years ago with my family. And uh, I now kind of feel that I'm partially settled in Georgia. <laughs> So you're based in Georgia, aren't you, in the southeast of the States? Right. So where you work and where you live are, pretty, I guess, pretty close to each other. Yeah, I, it's just around, you know, 40 minutes drive from my home. And it's not too bad with Atlanta traffic. So the role of the information developer within VMware, what, what does that mean? What work do you do? So I, I've been with VMware for about a year now, and uh, currently I work for the Workspace One UEM team that is based out of Atlanta, and uh, I own the product documentation for mobile application management that basically uh, you know, secures and manages any application on any device with one single digital platform. And uh, I also own the documentation of VMware Tunnel that allows you to access all your corporate resources behind the firewall. So that's all all forms of deliverable documentation for end users, or I guess the developers might be the, the target audience that you're writing for. Is that correct? That's correct. Right. And so remind me again, Workspace One does, what does that product do? So Workspace One UEM, it's, it's a unified endpoint management that uh, lets you manage any application on any device with an integrated digital workspace platform. It integrates uh, with controlled device management, secure tunneling, and application management, and so on. And uh, it's available as a cloud service or even for your on-premise deployment. Okay. So this is aimed at large corporates, I guess, that want to manage the, the virtualized desktops and provisioning of platforms for people. That's correct. Okay. India has a very good reputation for very educated people and excellent people in terms of computing expertise. And there is a a fair community, I suspect, of Indian people in, in the States. From your personal experience, how easy was it to relocate from India to the States? All right. I moved to US in, I think, in 2015 with my husband mm-hmm. and my six-month-old baby. And uh, my husband's career chose Minnesota as our starting destination. And uh, mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Bangalore. And Bangalore is to the south of India, where people haven't <laughs> experienced or seen snow so <laughs> I was super excited to move to Minnesota in, in, in peak winter. And, uh, you know, leaving your friends and family and moving to another country is a different experience altogether. I still remember my initial days, you know, where I was, I was trying to socialize with people because I wanted to be accepted in the tribe. And being an outspoken yeah. person, I thought it's not a big deal to make new friends. And um, <laughs> I'd also reached a point where I could not all the time watch the snow and my six-month-old. So I, I just got wanted to socialize. I slowly realized that, you know, Americans are equal opportunity greeters, you know, unlike Indians who are like quite selective about your adoration when it comes to strangers on the streets. America- oh, okay. I mean, Americans generally smile and greet at anyone. But in India, you wouldn't see that. I mean, you wouldn't smile and greet a stranger on the road. 
that's totally new to me. So I thought that, okay, when people were, you know, just looking at me, smiling and talking to me, they were just trying to be polite with me and they were not trying to be my friend. <laughs> that was a different experience altogether. And talking about the visa, my husband had a pre-approved visa and it was easy for me to enter the country because I applied under the dependent visa category and it was straightforward. But then uh, to work in the United States, I had to apply for work authorization. And uh, personally, it took a lot of time for me to you know, go through the entire process because work authorization took close to five months, if I remember. And after the long wait, I realized that the government had incorrectly approved my work validity only for one month. So I had to reapply and go through the entire waiting phase and it took close to 10 months for me to actually get my first paycheck. God. And in terms of working cultures, is there a big difference between how people managed between India and the States? Is it similar? Is it different? I have worked in India for about uh, six years and uh, it's been four years here. And uh, from my personal experience, I believe that there's a huge difference in the hierarchy system itself. Americans are highly goal, you know, they're goal-oriented and they're fast-paced people. And, and they believe that the team comes from each individual responsible for taking their own decisions and their own actions. Whereas in India, the emphasis is on the hierarchy. Individuals who are lower down the hierarchy are not usually empowered to make decisions so I truly respect and adore the mindset and I really enjoy and I'm learning a lot. I enjoy working here. You have been speaking on the conference scene recently about your work on taking a new approach to release notes. A good starting point might be to just clarify what, what is meant by release notes and, and why they're important. All right. Our release notes are basically designed to tell our existing customers what are the features that have got added to the product? In other words, it's a documentation that is distributed alongside a product update or a product launch. Along with the feature changes, they also explain all the resolved issues and the known issues that comes with it. And to answer your question, you know, why, why are they important? So the most important function of release notes is to let our customers know that there's something that has changed in the product and particularly when that something may affect the way the customer actually uses the product. And it's an important line or it's a direct line of communication with our customers. And when we, you know, when we begin to use them effectively, they open up a unique engagement channel with our users. And you, know, you can keep them excited about what's new and what's coming next. So were you working on a existing product where you were creating all the documentation from scratch or did release notes exist already and you were then taking the project over from somebody else? Uh, when, when I joined, uh, like you know, I was given a few modules of documentation along with that. I was the person who was responsible for writing release notes for Workspace One UEM product itself. So we all had release notes you know, in, a, in a different format in a different style altogether but I, I took it over and then when I took it over I wanted to rewrite our release notes in a, in, a, in a new style and I wanted to make it more engaging and more conversational. When you looked at how the release notes were done before you came on board what were the things where you felt it might need some areas to be to be improved if, the, if there were any problems or anything like that? Uh, so what I noticed was uh, the shortcomings of our existing release notes was that it was, you know, it was too dry, it was too technical, it was like heavy jargon-filled language. 
And I realized that the actual audience of release notes is shifting from admins to a blend of admins and concerned end users. And given that the readers to be, you know, reached in a clear and informative manner, the old model of release notes of describing what's new was no longer sufficient. And uh, release notes need to describe what has changed in the product, but also those changes impact the customer's deployment and the usage of the product. So I wanted to write in a tone of voice that is not too technical, not too you know, jargon heavy. You know, I wanted to give emphasis on how those new features actually impacts the customers and what's the business use case of those new features and so on. So you change the tone and you change the voice in the way that the release notes were That's done? That's correct. And how did you come up with the appropriate voice and the appropriate tone for the release notes for Workspace ONE? Actually, before we started with our release notes pilot project, we took a deep dive into analytics to find out about our release notes. And uh, we were very surprised because release notes was just 1% of entire VMware documentation, but it was like 14% of our entire documentation view came from release notes. And those numbers really left us with a big shock because we realized people do read release notes. It's not something that, you know, people don't care about. So we had to bring in something truly engaging. And later we took the analytics of our own release notes and we saw we had very little meaningful traffic. And we did some research on, you know, how we improve our release notes. And the most advice that is available out there in the industry about writing release notes is still more product-centric. And this approach is not working for us because we have so many posts, we have so many blogs in the industry about making release notes more engaging and, you know, what are the great benefits of doing so. But we definitely needed more guidance to fully transition our release notes from product-centric to customer-centric. Can you run those percentages by me? The signal dropped out for a second at my end. So you had 1% of the content was release notes, but it was a different percentage for the amount of people reading. Yeah. So what I meant was we just compared the entire VMware documentation. Release notes accounts for just 1%. But then we had 14% of our entire documentation views came from release notes. So one in seven people that were looking at your documentation were actually looking at the release notes. That is a significant number. So in terms of taking that tone and making it more customer orientated, mm -hmm. did you get buy-in from everybody in doing that? Did you copy a style from some other organizations? Did you develop something that's specific to VMware? How did you formulate the right tone and voice for the release notes? Uh, so before we started with this POC, we did some competitive analysis of counts, and we found that some companies have started using release notes as a placeholder to write some great stories or even add humor. And sometimes this works because it calls attention to a new feature in a very clever and a smart way. And I personally agree that humor promotes audience engagement, and I am totally not against it. But then sometimes the humor or the fun part may you not know, may, may camouflage the actual details and may fail to inform the users about what's actually changed in the version. So when you know when we started doing this, we got a similar feedback from our SMEs. So we took our standard, our old style of release notes for an upcoming release, and we rewrote them in two styles. So the first version was to take the standard release notes and tone it down a little bit and make it more casual. 
And just to see the reaction of people, we rewrote them in a very informal style with lots of exclamatory marks, question marks, and some cool words and everything. This very informal style was not well accepted in our beta testing because our product management team thought that it was not in line with our corporate image and our brand value. I don't know if you've got a chance to read Slack release notes. I personally love Slack release notes because they make it so fun. They make it so engaging. Humor is a part of your brand identity. Another great example is Medium. Medium gets to be so fun and experimental because it's a reflection of your own brand and the people who make up your group. Uh, so such kind of fun stuff may not be appropriate if your release notes is not in, in line with your brand identity. So before we realized on our new tone, we took some time to understand that the tone should not only bring in a consistent count, but it should also align with our brand values. And we made sure we captured our corporate image during the voice transformation journey. And that's it. We were all set. One advantage you've got with release notes, of course, is that people aren't stuck, so they're not stressed. Uh, But I guess you've got to balance that against people wanting confidence that the product is low risk and is assured. You still need to provide a professional image when communicating through release notes, as well as providing some some identity, some personality in in what's provided. So did you set rules, document rules as to how to write the release notes or was it in the author's names? Was it a collaborative exercise or was it just one person writing it? Especially in Workspace One UEM, we have around, you know, 30 to 40 new features that go out each release and we have different writers working on each of these features. um, Each of these writers, they work independently, they craft their new feature blurb and they, you know, they post it in the release notes tool. We found that each of us had a unique writing style. So to bring in some good governance plan, we decided to have one person to own the release notes publication. And in this case, it was me because I was not specifically interested in taking up this project and transforming the style. So I actually collate all the information from all the writers and I write the blurb in one voice. But then, you know, at the same time, we need to have a definite template and a useful model, of course, so that our writers can understand what's the, you know, rationale behind the edits that were made to their content because we just cannot turn down someone's work without any proper guideline and style guide. So we decided to define base notes for our release notes and we call them as simple, casual, and useful. And I, I can explain each of those because that's what we have explained in our style guide. And uh, simple is a tone that is not too technical and jargon heavy. It's a tone that just uses plain language because we believe that no one ever complains that you know something was too easy to understand. And we say casual because casual is a tone of voice that is more conversational. It is more friendly. It's like you know humans talking to humans and not not robots. And uh, useful because we always want to give preference to the user's context. So now our writers have a definite model to look back and craft the content based on these principles. And as a final sanity check, I always take time and take closer look to what what they've done and to make sure that we are always writing in one voice. And I repeat this process every time, every release, so that we appear the same sensational every time. So are they writing the content in Word or a content management system or in markdown pages? How, how is the workflow side of things So we, we basically use a Jira to track all our new features and our, you know, and our bugs and everything. So the, the writers actually go to the Jira and you know, they write your release notes blurb for the particular project. And I pick up their content from the tool and then I reword it and then I manage it in the release management tool. 
Okay. And how did people find the situation where their text was being edited by you and being altered? Was everyone okay with that or, or did they find that difficult or confusing? How did, how did people take that Yeah, because that initially when we started with this project, people weren't aware as in, you know, why, uh, why have we have been making all those changes? What's the effort behind this and what's going on? But then, you know, slowly I started giving all these brown back presentations, all internal presentations to make them understand that we have been taking a lot of effort and time to rework on our release notes. And this is our new project altogether. We want our release notes to be more engaging. And now does actually understand, you know, why we have those edits. So that is the reason we wanted to have a strict governance plan. And that's why we define these base notes, because now mostly it is under these base notes. And I make slight edits because... We want to make sure that our writers are in line with our new style. So that was the whole idea behind defining these base notes. So you've said you wanted the notes to be engaging. How do you define what engagement and engaging is? Uh, to be fair, engagement is mostly a content marketing term, in my opinion. And it's not very easy to achieve with your technical content. Now, but the basic rule is that we can consider is that engaging content can be anything that provides value to our customers. I mean, it doesn't have to be a thousand words long. It just needs to be beneficial to the reader. Or in other words, I can say engaging content needs to be relevant to the reader and it should immediately grab your attention, which has a compelling headline. So would it being conversational in tone be a, a part of that or would you see that as separate or there sometimes they're not other times? Uh, I would definitely say that conversational tone will make our content feel more genuine and more human talking to human and it turns our wall of text into a conversation with the readers. And with the release notes perspective, I can just give you two examples and you can probably tell me which one sounds better, okay? So the first example you know, I want to say is that we added a new notification payload for all our iOS devices, okay? So this is one of the blurb. And I can give you another example where I say, have you ever been disturbed with app notifications while driving? Stop. Because the new notification payload now prevents app notifications on all your devices. So what's your preference? Which one did you like? Well, the second one answers the so what question. The second one tells you why the change has been made and, and says what the benefit or implies what the benefit would be by that new feature being there. So I, for, for those reasons, I would prefer the second one because it, it gives me a better understanding of why the thought behind and the benefit of that particular change. Exactly. So the catch is like not talking about your new features, like how you would explain it to your friend is what is called conversational. And the engagement is what the user gets out of reading your content. And the second one also engages interest. It sparks some curiosity as well as to why that change has been made. Exactly. Have the end users noticed? I know it's very hard to get quantifiable analytical information on things like this but have anyone has anyone commented on it positively negatively on the change initially when we started doing this we closely interacted with our product management team because they are the people who would have actually worked on the release and they would have known what actually goes into the product and things like that and they are the ones who know more about the product and everything so we would definitely to get their feedback and their opinion and they now mm -hmm. understand that we have reformed our notes and we, within our team we gave it a new fun name and we call it as a sassy style and now everybody within the company recognizes our style and they are related with a new name 
we're tr- still trying to get some customer direct feedback and direct analytics. But when we actually tried and measured our analytics, I can proudly say that we had seven-fold increase in our CTRs when we implemented this new tone of voice. So the click-through rate from the links within the release notes went up by sevenfold as a result of the change in the tone in the release notes. That's correct, yeah. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. So we know that people are noticing it. So we know that people are you know, really looking at it and people are really happy and people are getting some benefit out of it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have seen this great analytics change. What next with the release notes? Are there other plans to to work on them, make them inter- more interactive or change them in some other way? I would say we can make uh, our information experience a more 21st century one by adding videos, screenshots and GIFs in our release notes. You would have seen countless blogs or infographics or podcasts even, you know, that argue the importance of visual stimuli over simple text. There's a Cisco study that says that video accounts for 75% of internet traffic in 2017, and it is expected to grow over the years to come. So embedding videos in release notes can boost your SEO ranking, or even other media forms such as screenshots or animated GIFs may provide some kind of engagement. We, in fact, now partner with our content marketing team, and we add product overview videos in our release notes. And this addition had a knock-on effect on our SEO rankings because with the market-oriented resource reaching out to the customers on one end, we could reach out with a more technical explanation in our release notes. And this had a double effect on our analytics because our marketing videos analytics also improved. And at the same time, we were able to strike a good deal with our own release notes. And we all know that cross-team collaboration always helps. How long were the videos and how long are the release notes typically? So we have around, you know, 30 feet and uh, we have, you know, close to 140 resolved issues and 20 to 30 known issues that go out every release and we, we have a monthly cadence cycle. Quite a substantial amount of content in those then, I suspect. That's correct, yeah. VMware has a range of different products. Are there plans to do similar things with the other products and the release notes for other products within VMware? Are you sort of a pathfinder? For this approach, and then if it's successful, it to be adopted elsewhere. Has there been any consideration on that side of things? Uh, definitely yes, because uh, you know, as of now, it's only our team who has started with this you know approach. But we may soon plan to expand this new style across the board because we have now got some popularity. But you know, with my brown bags and my industry conferences that I presented, and and more mostly because of the great analytics uh, you know, that we have achieved, because you know. Having a seven-fold increase in our click-through rate is something really remarkable. And uh, we definitely are looking at, you know, doing some trainings and making sure that we have the same style across the board. Because hmm. I saw another presentation by, I think it was Jen McDade of VMware, and there is a lot of analytics happening within VMware and a lot of planning of technical documentation in conjunction with marketing and some real benefits particularly on the SEO side of things that are arising as a result of that. So it's interesting that you are doing the analytics and seeing the benefits of of those changes coming through. Definitely, yeah. We've been working really hard to make sure we take all, you know, data-driven decisions. So, you know, we always consider analytics and we make sure that, you know, before we start any, any new project, we want to look into the analytics and then find out more and then, you know, and then work on those projects because we don't want to work on something you know that's not making any big difference. I mean, one thing I would like to mention is that uh, 
Mm. Apart from you know, all these things, we have also now we we now we are now educating our engineers about the importance and the effort that we have been taking to make our release notes a big deal. So we have been training our engineers to write better bugs. So we have actually created templates for creating better bugs in Jira. And uh, you know, one of the main reasons for doing this is because you know we want to reduce the effort and time that we are you know spending on rewriting the bugs that has been created by our engineers. And writing better bugs in our bug tracking system can actually help us automate the entire process. You know, we currently use Jira to track all our bugs. So if our engineers start to write better bugs and known issues, we can directly automate them and get it into our tool without having to worry much about the quality standards. So we have been trying to do some trainings to our engineers to make sure that they write better bugs. So this is another thing that has been planned for our future. So what do the templates for the bug reporting have in them and and what do you cover in the training to make the writing of bug reports better so we have been telling them like you know we have to pay more on i mean especially you know if it's a resolved issue we have to talk you know we have to tell our customers what went wrong rather than you know just just writing you know err or or, you know some api code in the bug description or something that is not going to add any value to our customers we want to tell them what went wrong rather than you know we, we have seen some bugs description that has a fix in its description. Now, we don't want to you know, tell our customers what got fixed, but we want to tell them what the problem was in our resolved issues. So we're educating them you know, to make sure they write meaningful bug descriptions because they're, you know, we see that they're writing some API codes in the bug description and nobody's going to understand what that actually means. So we want to tell our customers what was actually wrong in the product and what got actually fixed. So you know, we have giving we have been giving them examples. You know, we are giving them a positive example and a negative example as on how they have to rewrite their bugs and things like that. We were doing some work uh, for a client last month or the month before, I think, and they were looking at the the recording of support calls and bugs, and part of what they had to do was have a culture of transparency of telling customers when things went wrong. I don't know if that's been a factor in the work that you've been doing in being prepared to say, well, it didn't work in this situation, but now it's fixed. That's it, yeah. (laughs) And if people want to see an example of the release notes that you're producing, are they publicly available on the web? Yes, it is. I mean, you can just go to docs.vmware.com and look for Workspace One UEM. And once the you know the product documentation page opens up, you can look for our release notes. We've been doing this from 9.7 release, so anything 9.7 plus will have a new sassy style, I would say. <laughs> so docs.vmware.com. That's correct. And if people want to pick your brains or get hold of you, is what's the best route on Twitter or LinkedIn or another social media channel? Oh, I'm available on LinkedIn. I'm not very active in Twitter, but I have an account in Twitter, but I'm a LinkedIn person. Right. Okay. I think that's all the questions that I've got at the moment. It's I shall I think my next step is to go and look at the release notes and see how they are. It is one that seems to be catching on. Uh Shreta, thank you for your time and um yeah, thank you. Thank you, Alice. It was nice talking to you.